click to subscribe. Welcome to the incremental special edition subscription apps panel. During the last few years, subscription apps are everywhere. The subscription pricing model became an extremely popular monetization method and companies are doing some amazing things to leverage the subscription economy. Subscriptions offer incredible control for both consumers as well as product companies. What's the future of subscription apps now that privacy restrictions damage the ability to easily acquire users? We invited the world's top industry experts in the subscription model to talk about this and more. Hope you'll enjoy listening. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to our first ever uh, subscription apps panel. Um, so what we are here to talk about today is basically uh, some of the world's best experts when it comes to subscription apps. And we're going to start with introductions. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go. <laughs> I'm David uh, Barnard. I work with uh, Revenue Cat uh, as developer advocate, uh, but I've also had my own subscription app. So uh, working on a huge update to uh, my subscription weather app, um, have a, a launcher app, Launcher Pro, and uh, yeah, kind of work both sides of the subscription app business, you know, helping developers uh, make more money with Revenue Cat and um, also working on my own to make more money. All right, I'll go next. Uh, hi everyone, I'm Sylvain. I work as a mobile marketer and growth PM at Babbel US. Uh, Babbel is a language learning app, uh, already 10 million subscriptions sold. Um, I also watch uh, all the best uh, webinars, podcasts, and panels, just like just like this one, and share the the best insights, the gems, uh, in the newsletter called Growth Gems. Check it out. Andre here. Uh, I run Admiral Media, small um, but award-winning um, uh, performance marketing agency, um, and we basically help a lot of subscription apps uh, being successful on paid social search, whatever. Um, running campaigns, obviously analytics, uh, a lot of motion design comes with it um, and influence acquisition. So basically the whole UA package. And yeah, as I said, most of our clients are in the subscri subscription space, such as for example, I think Fastig is the most popular at the moment um, from, from the ones we ran. And uh, yeah, I think I, I can hope, I, I hope I can add a little bit of value here. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm, uh, I'm Thomas. Uh, I work for myself, no company. Um, I do collaborate with Revenue Cat, Admiral Media, even Bubble at one point. Uh, uh, I got into subscription apps by chance, I guess, uh, in the beginning of subscription apps. And then I got lucky to be in the right place because they all boomed. And uh, I now advise subscription apps on how to grow uh, through UA, uh, also product pricing data. Um, yeah, I, I love the space. Very happy to be here with, uh, with everyone. Great uh, complimentary profiles, I think, here in this panel. Cool. And thank you all, by the way, for participating. It took us some time to schedule because it was summer and uh, many of us here in Europe apparently are completely off during summer. Um, since it's a panel, I will do a short intro about myself. So I'm Or, I'm CEO, co-founder at Incremental, uh, 20 years in the ad tech space. Uh, started Incremental last year during Corona days um, to help customers measure incrementality. And we got super lucky because Apple made some announcements that really did not <laughs> influence us. That was pretty good for us. Um, in this uh, format today of a panel, um, I'm going to mainly ask questions and shut up. Um, so that's good for me. So thank you all. And let's jump ahead to our first question. Are we as users? So put aside your jobs. Are we as users benefiting from the subscription economy? I, I think so, I'll jump in. Um, you know, I, I was just talking with uh, uh, Ben Thompson. We did a, a podcast with him um, and, and Jacob, the, the CEO of Revenue Cat uh, earlier last week, and it'll be coming out soon. And we were talking about how there really was kind of a, a dark ages of apps where Somewhere around 2012, 2013, as the iPhone growth kind of started to peak, the, the paid upfront business model, especially for productivity apps, really um, just stopped working. You know, for, for since from 2008, the next you know four or five years, more and more users were coming. And so you could just depend on more and more users buying your app and you didn't have to get any additional revenue from those existing users. And it was really hard to do paid updates for paid upfront apps. 
Um, and, and as we've now started to transition to the subscription business model, we're starting to see the depth and sophistication of apps that was just not possible before because the, the, the incentive to build those apps wasn't there. And so, I mean, <clears throat> you know, at, at Revenue Cat, we have a, a ton of uh, amazing subscription apps. Um, like Photo Room is, is an incredible example. Like they, they do sophisticated um, machine learning based removal of backgrounds. I mean, this is something like, you know, until I use the app, you know, something you think of you know, Photoshop and I need to spend hundreds of dollars and, you know, to, to remove the background and create a professional image from my Shopify store, you know, it's going to cost me hundreds of dollars. I need to be an expert. I need to like figure all this stuff out. And now, you know, Photo Room as a subscription app is building these sophisticated tools and unbundling this like professional uh, tool that's, that's 10 bucks a month or hundreds of dollars uh, to purchase up front. Um, and so I think we're just starting to see these apps and the sophistication that's possible using the subscription model. And, and ultimately users are gonna benefit tremendously from that and are, already are, you know, so from, from fitness apps that are able to, to hire incredible trainers to, to build out programs to, um, you know, these content apps where, you know, HBO and Apple TV plus, and like, it, it's the golden age of TV because people are actually paying for it. Um, and, and so there's, there's, there's so many benefits, I think, that we're already seeing, and that's just going to grow in the coming years as that recurring revenue allows developers to build better and better apps to to build better and better apps in niches you know uh one of the the, the apps i love to talk about that's a revenue cat customer is a is a knitting app and you wouldn't think you know software just for knitters but when you have a subscription app business model you can go into these niches and build really great tools because they're so valuable to those users to have something custom built to their hobby or their you know, specific interest or their specific um, you know, tool for their small business or whatever. And you just couldn't get that before. Uh, and then not to mention you know, the privacy side of things and, and you as the customer and your data not being the product, um, but actually the product being the product and, and paying and having that kind of honest business relationship um, and, and that said, I mean, I think that, that freemium is still alive and well and ad supported tiers of subscription apps, um, such as Spotify's uh, free tier are going to continue to thrive. So not everybody's going to have to pay the subscription, but I think that, that those who do are enabling and, and getting access to uh, features and, um, and value that, that we just haven't seen unlocked before with, with paid up front apps or even the one-time in-app purchases and, and other models for software. Yeah, I'd really agree with David here that one of the benefits that it really expanded the, the realm of possibilities for developers. So as user, we benefited in the sense that there's a lot more offer that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. Uh, I like to be the devil's advocate and, and it's clear that subscription, not everything should be a subscription, but uh, it really enabled new thing that we didn't see coming. And I think that's pretty great. And to, to the point David made at the beginning of, of the upfront payment, like it wasn't just enough money to, to develop these professional apps, but also the, I think there was a misalignment of interest between the developer and, and the user. And the great thing with, with the subscription is as a developer, I want to retain those user paying every month. So I'm pushed to actually deliver value consistently it's not like a trick like i push you in the subscription and then that's it i made my money like with a license and here i need these users to renew otherwise the business is just not there and i think it really aligns value for the user and for the developer i mean it's clear it's more money for the developer but it's also more value for the user because i mean if i don't like it i'm just gonna go and um you you took the case of of uh, tv and video consumption I can still jump, you know, I don't have a, like an upfront cost of, uh, oh, I'm stuck for the year with Netflix, so I can't go to HBO. Uh, maybe next month I'm on Disney, maybe next month I'm, I'm on another one. And I think for, for user, it's a, it's a great benefit. Most users don't actually switch like this, but the, the possibility of doing it, I think is a, is a great benefit for, for user. Just pay 10 a month when I'm not happy anymore, I just go. And it pushes, I mean, at some point you can see some content subscription 
if they don't push out, I mean, if Netflix doesn't spend billions in new series, people are going to go. Like the offer is so large now. And so I think in the end, uh, users benefit a lot from that, um, clearly. I'm thinking of a last one, so I'll complete myself, like also for, for content, but more like a news content. Um, when it was entirely ad-driven, it really pushed for like really clickbaity headlines and actually not towards journalism and also uncertainty for, for the companies behind on what the revenue is going to be like um, because they were basically at the end of the, the ad chain and complementing the free offer with subscription really gives like, I don't know, you, the New York Times is a, great, is a great success story for this. Like they've got, I don't know, 10x more journalists than they had 10 years ago. And I think here the user, okay, you have to pay, but at the end, I prefer solid journalism that I pay that just clickbaity headline that, that need to generate ad revenue. Some businesses can be corrupted by the ad revenue or some experiences in the UX um and in this case the subscription is great but not for everything i think there's especially like in, in gaming it's great that there's a lot of ad supported uh, things so that we got free games more or less everything has been said <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much i can relate with what david was saying because i had apps in uh, 20 uh, 2010 2011 and that paid up front model it was great at the very beginning but then you can't sustain it you can't leave and so you can't have that innovation that that you mentioned and i don't think you can untangle the the developer and the user side like you need that win-win otherwise it doesn't work i know now you asked us you know the user perspective but i i think they go together i mean i remember the times when uh, i mean we were trained in some direction like in the 2000s when basically internet became popular across the globe right so and uh, we we all had had an expectation everything has to be free in the internet right um and this obviously was funded by a lot of venture capitalists uh, and lots of businesses went bankrupt with that uh, because you can't educate a user once trained into everything's free um, to, oh, now you have to pay for it. So I think the change that happened when suddenly uh, services like Spotify and, and Netflix that uh, um, made the way to mainstream that you actually can pay something, but they offer you to leave immediately if you're not happy with the content. This was a novum in the entire app industry that wasn't there before. So remember all the streaming pages and, and uh, TV stations that tried to sell you uh, 12 months contracts with a receiver and you couldn't get out of the contract and uh, it, it automatically renewed. And if it didn't send a fax or postcard through a special address that was hidden somewhere in the terms, you couldn't get out of it, right? So we are just paying, paying, paying. Um, and, and this um, was actually a very negative for subscription businesses until those services came up and offered a completely different customer-friendly uh, solution. And I think um, now when this happened, all the other apps um, after some period of time and users were trained into, okay, I get something for my money, uh, which is good quality, first of all, but second customer service where I can just leave all the other apps were actually only then able to switch their business model into a subscription service, which ultimately led to the fact that my quality that I receive improved across any niche uh, that's out there. If it's uh, fitness apps or uh, nutrition or uh, um, uh, even games or whatever, right? So, okay, with, I'm, with games, I have a very different opinion, but um, with any other service, I, I think there was a lot of improvement with that. Yeah. I think an another important thing to address around consumer benefit is that you know, there's a lot of talk of, of subscription fatigue and like, uh, we're just going to be paying more and more and more and more money. Um, but I think there's, there's like a, there's a, a few buckets to put that consumer spend into that kind of helps make it make more sense. So there, the biggest one is just substitution spending. So, um, you know, when I look at how much I'm spending on streaming currently, it's actually less than most people were spending on a cable TV bundle in the past. And so, so even though I'm now spending 50, 60 bucks a month on a combination of Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix, uh, I, actually I'm probably spending way less than that. I'm probably spending 40 or 50, I didn't even pay that much attention to it because it, it's just not a, you know, a huge part of my, um, budget and I get a, a ton of ad free 
great entertainment and you know my kids have shows where they're not seeing ads for for uh fruity pebbles and like crappy children's cereals and all the kind of stuff that that you know i grew up watching ad supported tv and getting just bombarded with all these these ads so you have the the kind of substitution spending and there's even substitution spending in things like um you know uh, and I, I love to talk about this app fitness ai um you know, if, you, if you're going to a gym spending 60 bucks a month or spending $60 a session for a trainer, Fitness AI is 60 bucks a year and enhances those experiences. So, you, you know, you take one less um, uh, session with a trainer and you've paid for Fitness AI, that's going to help you then, um, you know, make more efficient use of your $60 a month gym membership. Uh, and then the second side of things is, is that there is a, a shift in spend, you know, and th this happens in all different kinds of categories where, um, you know, I mean, here's a perfect example. You know, this is a $4.65 nitro cold brew from Starbucks. I can get the same amount of caffeine with, you know, 50 cents or probably 25 cents of Folgers brewed at home. But what, what Starbucks did was they created an experience and something that's really hard to replicate at home with espresso drinks, with the, the nitrogen-infused cold brew. Um, and so what we're seeing with, with software and subscriptions now is that this, the value is being created that consumers are willing to pay for. And so there will be some amount of shift of spend from other things. And, and one thing I like to think of is that some of that shift of spend will be from crap that you didn't need anyway. So if you're on an ad supported app and you know consuming ad supported content, you know how many times a year are you buying something for 50, 60 bucks that you don't need? You know How many times are you being influenced to go get that other, you know, another Starbucks or whatever through the ad supported um, software. <clears throat> and with the shift, shift to subscriptions, yes, there will be some shift of consumer spend, um, but it's not like we're talking thousands of dollars a year. It's not like we're talking, you know, we're talking a few incidental purchases not made on in other areas in entertainment in uh, you know, clothing and eating out. I mean, you go eat out and it's easily, you know, 60 or 100 bucks a uh, uh, for a nice dinner. And on the flip side, you know, you can get a whole year of, of productivity enhancement of, you know, all trails, you know, telling you where to go hiking and warning you when trails are flooded and, you know, giving you offline maps so you don't get lost in the woods. Like there's so much value being created and, and some of that value is going to be paid for by shifting the spend, you know, from other, um, you know, substitution spending. And then some of that is going to be new spending. But I, I think that, that the, what, what Andre was talking about, that, you know, people were just so used to ad supported um, free value being given to them we are finally starting to see that that kind of shift of mindset of like this this digital stuff is actually really valuable and and worth paying for and worth you know uh tightening the budget in another area to to pay for this value that that i'm getting out of the software i'm gonna go to our next question which i think some of you actually already touched what is not yet running on subscription that you actually believe in, maybe you will see because you guys do a lot of work with other companies as well. What is coming to subscription that today maybe as customers we don't think of, but it does make sense based on your own experience? I'd say digital health, like uh, visiting a doctor, um, <laughs> these kind of things that, that still needs to happen on the global scale, so to say. I think that's a huge opportunity. I think it's already happening. Like we're at the very beginning of it in, in digital health, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, of innovation in this space and a lot of like, not, not just the $60 a year, purely digital experience that we have through apps, but actually combos of content that you can deliver through the app and specialists that you have access to. A friend of mine is, is building a, a company around that for, for mental therapy. Uh, in Germany called Canava, but I'm seeing a, a few of them. It's already, I think, starting. And here, maybe we have the bias of we're, we're all working with, with apps, very focused on, on digital, but there's also a big movement towards subscription uh, elsewhere of, of renting, like not owning a car, for example, not owning 
I don't know, I just come back from holidays where uh, I rented a, a van. I would never buy a 20 or 50K van, but I'm happy to rent one for one or 2K and I don't want to own it the rest of the year when I'm not going to use. I think younger generation have much more this, this mindset of, why own this? Like I can just rent one whenever I want. And next time, maybe I'll take a sport car and maybe I'll take a, a big car, whatever. I think this mentality is much stronger in, in youth. So there, there's the subscription movement is much bigger than the one we're seeing. And it's pretty much affecting all areas except gaming at the moment. <laughs> and for me, the reason it hasn't reached gaming is gaming has been like mobile games have been so strong at creating a wealth model where actually most users don't pay anything, but a few users pay insane amount of money that pay for most of the, and they have this professional level of, of experience we were talking about before um, that really only applied in, in gaming. I haven't seen it too much elsewhere. And it's true that for a few of them, the incentive to move down to subscription where you don't get this extra uh, revenue from Wells is a bit of a problem. I'm still convinced that we'll end up seeing mixed models where there will be subscription games, but you still have add-ons that you can buy like uh, one-off one purchases and, and that we will go to, to mixed models. But at the moment, that's the only vertical I'm not seeing shifting very fast towards subscriptions. And that's, that's the resistance is there. I think subscription in games is pretty uh, pretty exciting actually. But as you said, not a move to subscription, but more like what David was talking about, you know, with the fitness membership and then you have the app, it's like more of an enhancer for the, the most engaged users. Um, and you're gonna get, you know, double the gems when you uh, watch a rewarded video, like something that goes that goes further and, mm -hmm. and just additional money basically. I have a portfolio company that has training for League of Legends through subscriptions. So like to get better, you know, you've got like uh, tips and train coach and whatnot. It's not purely gaming, but it's already getting there. Um, and, and when you look at it, it's very specific to mobile gaming that it stayed on, on purely um, IAP and ads because there's already subscription in gaming. If you look at the PlayStation Network, uh, if you look at, I mean, if you look at console business, there is already a mix like uh, the Stadia, like there's already subscription in gaming. It's just mobile gaming is the ultimate frontier, uh, but I think we'll get there at some point. Yeah, it's interesting how AAA gaming has actually almost completely moved to subscription now. I mean, you still have, you know, like on the, on the Switch, you know, me and my kids are buying games for 60 bucks. But on the PlayStation, you know, my son subscribed to uh, the PlayStation Network and he gets a free game every month. And, that, and they've had really great games that he's getting completely for free from through the subscription. And, and really, ultimately, you know, I think that, that some of these mobile games that are currently um, being supported by the whales, as some of the whales shift their um, entertainment to some of these AAA games, like the Microsoft's uh, Game Pass, five, 10 bucks a month, like my son, wants to get a, he's trying to get a, put together a gaming pc specifically because he can pay 10 bucks a month and get access to amazing triple a games and so as his kind of gaming time budget gets filled with these incredible triple a games that are deeper and more engaging and everything um you know he's not growing up playing gym based um games like that he's paying the subscription model and so i, I do wonder if the if the heyday of digital whales and the kind of uh, mobile gaming that we see is ultimately going to be superseded by the shift to subscription, but more in the in the in the triple uh, A space, because ultimately, you know, Netflix is potentially moving into gaming. Why? Because they see the competition, and I saw a great article about this yesterday. You know, they realize they're competing for entertainment. And so if you're not watching Netflix, but you're playing a game, you know, they're not getting that money. And so they're moving into gaming in part because they realize their competition is just attention. And so, um, you know, as, as the AAA side of things moves towards subscription with, with Game Pass, with PlayStation Network, with other things like that, uh, I, I do wonder if, if the, the heyday of, of in-app purchase um, 
gym type games in, in our house we call them trickster games because <laughs> they try to trick you into spending more money i don't i don't let my kids play those kind of games and so uh you know i wonder if ultimately subscriptions are going to shift that through shifting attention and through shifting uh, um, uh, entertainment budgets that direction i had one, one last thought um feel free to cut it but the um to go further on what Thomas was saying um, regarding, you know, subscription existing in other categories, I would mention the van and everything. I I think like you know since B two C subscriptions have been existing for a very very long time, and you can take the example of you know entertainment. Uh, you know, my parents had like a CD theater membership. So the, the difference <laughs> now is that it, it's moving to to digital. Yeah, it's moving to an app. And it's getting globalized, but like the, the mechanism, people have been ready for it for, for a while if it provides value. What was it called? It gets, it gets to, sorry, Moa. No, what was it called that city, the city club in the States? Buena Vista Club? Yeah. Uh, uh, Columbia oh. House. Colum yeah, Columbia. Soho, yeah. Soho House. <laughs> I was. I grew up in the '90s. I had a membership to. We're Columbia also showing House. that we're not the youngest now in this panel, by the way, by by remembering <laughs> this. <laughs> See, I mentioned my parents, David. <laughs> Thomas, you wanted to add anything? I mean, there, there was subscription before, but it's reaching places that that were not not imaginable a, a while back. And David already mentioned that this move to subscription unlocked like very specific niche things. Like he talks about needers. I talk about like game coaching. I, I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of startups now that are selling furniture on subscription that you don't need to own your furniture. I think this is, there is kind of a new wave of things that before it would have been not bizarre, but like nobody would have thought about renting their furniture. And now we've got a heaps of startups going on around, uh, across Europe doing that. And, and it goes for everything. You know, you mentioned coffee, it can be like even, I don't know, uh, razor blades, like anything is a subscription now. And I think this is new. Like, even though there were subscription, a lot of them in our parents' time, like it, it's reaching places that, that, that are completely new. But see, just not to contradict yourself, but in 20, uh, 29, no, 2009, I was in California. I rented my furniture for like 18 months. And, and so it's just, it's moving, right? It's I'm very sure innovative. Yeah. I don't think it contradicts at all. It's just 10 it years ago in time. the Silicon Valley and you, you were <laughs> at the tip of the, you know, at the, of the trend is all you, your trendsetter. Uh, let's move to the next question. So this one, you guys should also have quite interesting insights. How is UA different for subscription versus non-subscription? You know, whether if it's in-app or ads and so on, uh, I think you have a lot to say about this. Um, I don't see many differences, to be honest. So, uh, I, for example, um, I'm obviously running an agency. I'm always looking out for new clients, right? So, and I'm pitching, obviously, also to the gaming industry, as an example. And the gaming industry usually comes back like, yeah, but you don't have experience with games. We do have, but we are maybe not as um, experienced as others in this space. Um, and I always wonder, like, what, what, what's the background of this uh, pushback, right? So in the end of the day, it's the same metrics we look at. It's the same channels that we use. It's uh, the same type of optimization that we do. Um, build a lookalike audience here and there, group by country, use another creative. For me, this is all the same. In the end of the day, you look at the table. Does it work? No, turn off. Uh, um, if it works, put more money on it, right? Um, so I do personally do not see much of a, a difference here. Maybe you have a few things um, when you are using like free trials and these kind of things, like when is a conversion really happening versus an ad monetization uh, um, app where you, you just count the number of impressions in the first session and second session, maybe that maybe even happens on the same day and uh, try to uh, uh, calculate the revenue coming from that. This is maybe the difference versus past seven days, right? Um, but to be, to be fair, in the end of the day, we all use like averages, like, okay, the average uh, free trial to real subscription conversion is 50% uh, across the globe. So let's use cost per trial X uh, and just optimize in that direction. And we will be fine uh, if we look at the top line growth once a month. Um, th th that's like the typical approach I see from literally any subscription app I've worked with. Um, and so I believe it's still just a cost per X optimization and, and not much uh, of a difference to a, a bit between the, the types of monetization when it comes to UA. 
It's true the, the difference is bigger on how you calculate your, your LTV, uh, like a user LTV, uh, user value. But at the end of the day, if you've got the media buyer who's provided this information, uh, his job is relatively similar in the mechanics of the platform and so on. That said, within even subscription, you would have different tactics based on, on how, like, I don't know, some apps are more aggressive than others. So typically those who have a harder paywall, uh, they have to think slightly differently about uh, virality and organic uplift because they know there's going to be less effect of, of user inviting user that can be like, which is very, very strong in, in games or in apps which has network effects. So maybe in exactly like running paid campaign, the difference is not so fundamental, but when you think about like the, the beyond paid, like the rest of the growth model, I think here you will start seeing difference, but it's not so much subscription versus everybody else. It's within each, uh, like you can have various strategy within subscription. And I'm seeing a subscription app that have very soft onboarding, very strong branding, very, lots of virality, others not at all. And so they have to think through this very differently about how we build a brand, how we factor virality, and how we, sh we sh put the metric on, on, on paid due to that, but not necessarily in how you run the campaign themselves. There are small differences in how you set up your events and so on, but it's not fundamental at all. So I think it's, it's more about the overall, uh, like gross levers of the of the company rather than just like paid campaign specificities there are some but they're minor and one could switch from one to another i don't see a, a major major experience request there i think if you're running the ua and, and you're given that ltv or that ltv cac ratio that the company is comfortable with for growth uh, that you know it doesn't make a big difference but if you have to define that internally then then that's the difference so i it simplifies some things um especially if you if you're getting started or um you know subscription apps don't necessarily have the, the same data teams as as games and 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 it's a little simpler i will say to to define those uh, optimizations event or you know that ltv cac ratio that you can go with with anything to so the media the media buyer is the same but the data analyst is not <laughs> yeah, that's probably the biggest difference. Okay, maybe when you mentioned it, like um, building a brand and these kind of things, maybe there's a few differences, but ultimately, no, actually not. Um, the better the brand, the better conversion rate, no matter um, into which funnel. Is it a single purchase? Is, is it uh, staying in the app and using the content, or is it um, uh, uh, paying for the subscription free trial conversion? It's yeah, they, it, it, it's small thing, but at the, at the end of the day, they add up, like, for example, we, we mentioned before how easy it is to unsubscribe and some companies try to make it really hard. I, I know the, the, I mentioned the New York Times before, and they, they're really known for being like horrible to unsubscribe, which I did unsubscribe from the New York Times last month, and it was actually very easy. So I, I'm not sure what, what people were complaining about, but whatever. Here, like the way you manage customer support and like more, more from a reputation standpoint than, than just like building the brand, but building the reputation, you can make a difference on guys, we make it easy. We want you happy. We want you to renew. If you don't just, you're good to go, you know, and communicating this clearly is not something that you're going to see with a game that is also very oriented into retaining user and having repeat purchases, but the, the communication style is going to be very different. And I guess here is more, yeah, it's more about communication and growth in general and not specifically about paid acquisition. I think another difference we'll, we'll see over time, especially as the subscription model kind of matures is, you know, you know, Thomas was in the very beginnings of, of the subscription apps and that was just like four, four or five years ago. Um, but with really great subscription apps that have really strong <clears throat> retention, you know, you're going to see people who are subscribed for five, six, 10 years to the same app and never turn out. And as those cohorts start to mature and as you start to stack these cohorts on top of each other and grow revenue, um, I think we'll start to see these maturing subscription app companies be able to pay more for users because they understand them. They under, one, have, they have more cash coming in because there's, they're, they've grown that subscription base and those users are just renewing, renewing, renewing. 
Um, and then they'll have a better and better understanding over time of those really long-term cohorts and that, that the real LTV. Because, you know, I mean, you think about Calm, they don't even fully understand their, their true LTV yet because, you know, there's people who've been subscribed five years, they might subscribe five more and, and have been a subscriber for 10 years or 15 years. And so, like, you know, you can guess at some of these LTVs right now, um, but, but in the course of, of years, those LTVs are going to look even better than they already appear currently. Um, and so, so as all of this matures, I think we'll, we'll see subscription apps be able to uh, optimize around those even longer term understandings of LTV and, and be able to pay even more for users and, and compete in the, in the market, uh, in the ad market to, to uh, acquire those users. Before moving on to the next question, I actually kind of wanted to touch this point a little bit myself. So as we all know, something has been happening in our industry uh, recently. Now, one thing I do see a big difference between um, like, I would say in general, non-gaming versus gaming, especially with the non-gaming being subscription, is the ad platforms games use are very wide. There is a lot of ad platforms out there for gaming companies, Unity, Iron Source, Uploving, Bungle, and so on. Non-gaming companies pretty much focus heavily on the usual suspects. And the usual suspects had enormous access to first-party data and be able to do lookalikes and so on. And now that it's gone, what are you guys seeing? So how is privacy changes? I don't know how we want to call it. We, we can call it the apocalypse. Uh, I'll give, give credit to Eric where uh, credit is due. Um, how is this affecting? I was I was always hoping that it would level the, the playing field a bit so we could diversify. I mean, it's been a reality that for subscription apps, it's been very harder to get return than from big paid social platform like Instagram and YouTube and TikTok now and Snap. Like, and historically, games have succeeded on, on this alternative ad network, which were much harder for subscription. And it, it was my guess that it might change. Um, I'm not entirely seeing it yet, but we're just at the very beginning of, of this revolution. It's hard to... It's hard to predict how, how it's going to go. Um, so I'll let the other one give their opinion on that. I wanted to take a, a different angle at this privacy changes because there is a, a negative side to it, which is Apple is forcing us to optimize on very early events, which at the beginning I was like, well, actually for games is more of a problem because there's a lot of late conversion happening after a week, after a month for the first purchase. You need to convince the user the game is really good until they will purchase for the, for the first time. In subscription, we're kind of gifted that a high percentage of subscription happen on the very first day, which obviously helps in this new era. But I'm seeing it as a negative in the sense that as developers and advertisers, we're pushed to do more and more of that. We're pushed to be more aggressive with early, early monetization. And it's, it's harder for apps that are very soft with their paywall to actually measure UA now. And some of the best apps are actually softer with their paywalls because they want the variety, because they don't want to just grab money on the first day, like some scam apps are doing. And I've been advocating hard Apple to provide something there because I think in the end, it's not beneficial for the users that most of the apps would go more aggressive on the, on the first day. And okay, it gives more privacy to the user, but if the drawback is going to be every app out there is going to be more aggressively monetizing on the first day, it's not a benefit. And I hope we will see change eventually on, the, on this front. Gaming are actually affected harder, but I think for subscriptions, it's not great either that it's like pay or go first day. Like it's, it's not a great model at all. User could also onboard quietly up to the point that they're convinced that this is worth paying for. Well, I, I do want to interject with the point here. Uh, so like, yes, I would say as an industry app developers are pushed to do day one conversion value, but Apple is giving the tools for you to continue updating the conversion value. It just mean that you would get your post back in two months from now. The um, like the way I see it, the, the challenge with the conversion value, no, it's not necessarily the timer, it's the privacy threshold, because the, the further you go out, they're just throwing everything to organics, telling you, 
we don't want you to know that it came from this source or this source or this source. That I think is the kind of like messed up point. It's the, the privacy threshold, conversion value, the timer, c'est la vie. Well, you do have that conversion window that you need to like keep in mind. You can't, yeah, like you said, you can't wait forever. Um, Thomas said aggressive, like, yeah, there's also straightforward, you know, it's between aggressive and straightforward depending on, on the apps. Um, I think that it is a vicious circle if Apple doesn't change something, people will be more aggressive or, you know, start mixing what's possible. Like you don't have a free trial for specific length for subscriptions. Um, some apps already do that. Um, and, and maybe, you know, you get the free trial only for the, for the longer subscription, like some kind of mix like that. Uh, but in general, I think, I mean, it's coming, it's becoming close to suicidal to not have onboarding, you know, your paywall during onboarding. And, and I don't know if that's what Apple anticipated. It was already happening before this change. I'm just saying this was already happening and Apple is exacerbating this. That was already a, a fact and it's not necessarily, necessarily good. I've seen a few apps that are very soft in the first week actually start doing what you're saying and bring it up to, to the onboarding uh, for acquisition purpose, for other purposes as well, because it just works better. But uh, I hope at some point we'll find a middle. Well, what I'm saying here is I don't want this trend to go too far. And we're, we're approaching that area fast. Is, is that, that was more my point. No, for sure. I have two problems with these changes, let's say, that are, okay, products might change, like pay now and uh, or go, um, but there's still good refund policies, uh, let's say, so I purchased a couple of movies on iTunes and gave them back because they were, they were shit, so this still works perfectly fine, um, and I can imagine this could work with any other app if just the refund flow is convenient, let's say, so I would still be fine with pay now, as long as I can then say, oh, it's, it's shit, let give me my money back. Um, where I see a big move is probably like industry-wide um, consolidation of um, companies. Uh, we see the ad networks bringing their data things together, right? So everyone is buying someone and this ultimately uh, leads to a massive corporation um, in this space that owns all the data and uh, can just cut out anyone else. I believe this could be one result. Um, and I think Eric uh, Seufert also mentioned, for example, on the content side of things, there's uh, these fortresses being built, right? Because of first first uh, party data stuff. Also a very interesting theory that he uh, pushes out here. And I, I totally follow that idea. Um, and this is maybe not beneficial for us users, ultimately. If there's just any everything concentrated on just like two or three players out there, as is as it is with the real life uh, um, industry, such as water. There's like, I don't know, Nestle is owning 80% of the water market. That's why we pay for it, um, So it, or so much, let's say. And if this happens in, in digital in the same way, um, I think this is definitely a, a downside uh, for us as users, let's say. Yeah, I think we, we're already starting to see that in some ways. And I, I think uh, Andre's right that I, I worry that we're going to see further consolidation. So, you know, Apple with their subscription bundle, they and their drive for services revenue, they've been kind of eating into the different niches that have been successful for subscription apps. So like Apple Fitness Plus, I mean, that's a shot across the bow for all the other, you know, subscription apps. So one of the things that that I do worry about because I think it would be a brilliant strategy is for Google and Facebook specifically to buy up subscription apps in some of these top categories because then they have all the data would be first party. So their, their ability to target and um, do user acquisition already, they don't have to pay themselves. So they have a leg up on, on user acquisition, just like Apple as a platform owner has a leg up uh, pre-installing apps, you know, putting ads inside settings for things. Um, well, Facebook and Google can have similar um, ad, uh, advantage in user acquisition. So, you know, if uh, if Facebook buys up a weather app, you know, the weather app category is huge. If if Google buys, you know, one of the big fitness apps or one of the big meditation apps, like. I don't know that they're going to head that direction, but I think that's a a threat to um, to the to the industry and especially the smaller players in the industry that 
that the big opportunities get gobbled up and that there is so much advantage to this consolidation. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, another thing I do think a lot about on the, on the how privacy is impacting subscription apps, on the flip side, I actually think it, it has been beneficial from a user perspective that I think people are getting, are understanding more and more just how much of their data has been bought and sold and are, are because of that, more willing to pay. Um, so for example, uh, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, um, an app called Glass launched and it's, it's a kind of an Instagram for photographers, but it's a subscription model. And, and you know, for people who love the old Instagram before you have an ad every three photos and before they switch to, you know, reels and pushed video and like, you know, did the thing that, that you know, Facebook does, um, <clears throat> glasses is, is that, that like more pure Instagram experience that a lot of people really loved. And their pitch is, hey, you know, we're not selling your data. We're not um, incentivizing, incentivized to increase engagement. You're not gonna see an ad every three photos. You're gonna get this great <clears throat> experience like, like Instagram used to be originally. And so on the, on the flip side of all the downsides we've talked about, about how the shift to privacy is negatively affecting and, and making things harder. It's also creating opportunities and it's creating this, this, um, this pitch of, of an honest business relationship of we're not selling your data, we're not bombarding you with ads, we're not degrading the experience, we're not incentivized to, um, to hook you and to get as many minutes as possible every single day and using dark patterns to do that. You know, you pay us and we're incentivized to just create value for you. So I think that's a positive effect of this move to privacy and kind of the, the um, consumer awareness around privacy. And then, but then one thought, uh, imagine like 80% of all photography apps go that direction, 80, 90%, let, let's say. And then there's a massive competition. Glass won't stay alone in the field, right? So then there's maybe 20 players um, offering the same thing. How do they promote themselves uh, to others if there's just no data out there anymore, right? It's like you're falling back to a, a, a type of advertising that is certainly beneficial for a few players out there, uh, th those ones that are selling us the billboards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's definitely not beneficial for the advertisers in the end of the day. Um, if there's no data out there, we can't track where it's coming from. So just push uh, some random banners somewhere and let's see what happens, right? Um, so everything is an uh, up, up and down side, I guess. Uh, Andrew, I think you literally just prepared us for the last question. <laughs> is incrementality measurement important for subscription apps? Full disclaimer. <laughs> A full disclaimer, I'm uh, running incremental. So obviously I'm asking this question, but generally again, is incrementality, incrementality measurement important for an app monetizing with subscription? I guess incrementality is important for any business that spends money on advertising, regardless if they're a subscription. Again, I mean, as soon as you start spending advertising money, you want to believe that it has a positive effect and you're not wasting it entirely. So the answer is yes. Um, not necessarily very differently to other business. Like the channels subscription apps use are slightly different. We mentioned it before, um, but the importance of incrementality is just the same for every ad advertiser here. Subscription and not, but whether it's an app or any, any other thing, you, you want to know the advertising money is actually being spent wisely and, and has an impact. So the answer is yes, of course, it's critical. Yeah, you don't only want to know if it brings you additional users, you want to know if like what you spend to get those additional users could have been spent better, you know, on your existing channel. So yeah, for sure. By the way, Thomas, to your, to your point, I don't think everybody wants to know if their marketing spend is incrementality <laughs> or not. I, I say I said believe. I said believe. believe. I <laughs> yes. Believe uh, is a very I specifically very used uh, by wording because of this. Cool. Since but, we yeah. have uh, since we only have like uh, two, three minutes and some of you <laughs> have urgent customer 
client network vendor supplier calls immediately after. Um, may I just actually want to thank you all. This has been, uh, by the way, just so you know, so this panel, so I, I did like a gaming panel, what was it, like a month ago. This specific, specific panel got like three times more registrations. So a lot more people are interested in the topic. And interestingly enough, um, when I compare the registration of this panel versus previous panels I did, uh, almost all registrations to this one were incremental. Means... <laughs> it's the power yeah. of linking comments for you, I think. It's not just the, the linking comments, it's actually like a point by itself because it's like the audience is different, okay? I would say the, 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 gaming, the gaming ones, especially since they're spending, what, 20, 30, 50% of their company's revenue on marketing, uh, you know, anything around the measurement is really, really important for them. Subscription apps, which is, again, relatively a new field that is now exploding. Um, it's like different people. Cool. So thank you all so much. It's really been great. Uh, you guys are all pro. You guys are all pretty much world uh, known. Sylvana, are you going to do gems for this one as well? Well, I feel like I kind of have to. I, I, it's, it feels weird to mind my own no stuff pressure. that I said, but for the other guys, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I have some, uh, a few changes coming actually to the, to the newsletter. Thomas, are you going to release a new newsletter now that you're back from uh, two months of holiday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually got the readers who, who wrote me like, hey, I'm not receiving any anymore. Is it in spam? Where is yeah. it? And Did I, you I stop just, working? <laughs> At some point, I stopped publishing because I work too much and I have no time. At some point, I stopped publishing because I don't work at all. I'm just doing something else. But yeah, I... <laughs> I, I have I have as a goal to have at least one episode in September, but uh, yeah. Nice. Cool. Bring it back. Depends what the industry brings as well. There's iOS 15 coming and and yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Ah shit, we should have talked about that. Wait, ah, wait yeah, until 16, <laughs> by the way. Just wait until 16. Because then Apple is gonna use uh, basically they're allowing FaceTime attribution. And not FaceTime, um what is it? Face recognition as an attribution. Oh, yeah? Nah, just kidding. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> anyway, thank you all. Uh, it's been a blast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Cool. See you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.